Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hope. Today, I have my friend Jason with me. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those of you that don't know, my name is Tammy Lynn Connors, and this is my podcast, Hope, Helping Other People Evolve. And my vision and mission with this is just to help people that feel like they're struggling alone at home. I've had so many great people on here that unfortunately have went through struggles, but have fortunately gotten to a strength. And they've been able to share their story of hope with us. And that I hope will get you out of bed that day if you're at home feeling like you're all alone because you're not all alone. There's so many people out here that are struggling that have gotten to a strength. And Jason is one of those people. And I'm so blessed to have met you, Jason. Um, Jason and I met on a getaway that our company would promote a product for. And we met, um, was that your first getaway, Jason? Yeah, we probably met four years ago. So Takana was probably the first time I met you. Yeah, it was. And I, I'm pretty sure that was like, was that like your first big event being sober with a bunch of people drinking? Yes, for sure. That would yeah. have been the first big one that I subjected myself to the craziness of people drinking in that excess around me. Yeah. Yeah. So I always say it's it's pretty amazing to me how God the universe, whatever people want to say, I say, God puts people in our lives because I remember we just kind of met. And then I, I don't know how we talked about being sober, but I was like, cool. I've been sober at that point, 14 years. So it was kind of like we clicked right then, you know? And so I am so excited to hear your story. Um, Where do you live at? I live in West Palm Beach, Florida. Okay. Nice. How's the weather down there? Oh my goodness. It's so hot. I just got back from doing some errands and it's literally like stifling, but I'm sure it is where you are too. Yeah. That humidity has kicked in the last few days. So I bet it's really bad down there. So, so if you, I've really never heard you like story stories. So if you want to just go ahead and, you know, start out with like who Jason was as a, whenever everything started to get crazy in your life, we'll just go with that. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for letting me, you know, share my, my courage, strength, and hope. Um, I just love that you are doing this podcast and I'm so proud of you because it is hopefully going to help some people. So, you know, my name is Jason Stewart and uh, I do live in West Palm beach, but I'm not from here originally. I was born in uh, Ontario, Canada and growing up, Tammy, um, Drinking was a big part of my whole family, right? Like my, my dad would invite his friends over on the weekends and play guitars and listen to music and sing and drinking and smoking cigarettes was like just part of my everyday life. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't ever have a huge issue with drinking until I did, right? I literally... I grew up with it. I accepted it. My family did it. I thought it was normal. I thought everybody did it, right? So the first experience that I ever had with alcohol, my sister and I were down in my grandfather's basement in Canada, and he had a nice bar. And I was five years old. And my sister said, let's play a game. We're going to play bartender customer. I'm the bartender. So she literally got every single bottle that was behind the bar and made a kamikaze kind of concoction, opened up an orange crush, filled it to the top and slid it over to the bar. So me being five, wanting to impress my big sister, I gulped the whole thing down. And I'll tell you, my first experience with drinking, I was a blackout drunk because I walked up the staircase, 
dizzy as can be and projectile vomited on my grandmother. So that was my first experience with alcohol. Now I don't remember much about it and it, I didn't start to drink directly after that, obviously, but my first experience, I blacked out drunk. So, you know, growing up and trying to fit in with other kids and whatnot, you go to parties. And the first time I remember drinking alcohol, I went to a party with my older brother and I thought I was fitting in with the cool kids. And I literally got so drunk that I remember going into the bathroom and looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I never want this feeling to go away. I love it. I want to do it every single day. So I had that alcoholic tendency from the get-go. And like I told you, my family drank. So my father, my grandparents were were heavy drinkers Mm -hmm. and they've all passed on now due to alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I never really thought much other than my dad. You know, you hear it. It's generational. It's in your genes. My grandparents are alcoholics. My dad's an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. I accepted it in my mind. I never said that to anybody. But I knew that I had a real desire to drink alcohol more than most people. I go to a high school party and everybody be like looking at their watch. Oh, it's ready to go home. And it's 12 o'clock. And I'm like, I'm ready to go find more beer. Like, I just want to keep the party going. So I knew early on that I, I wanted to drink more than most people. And I would even after school, sometimes a couple of beers, I'd have hidden beers in my closet that were warm and I would drink those. So I knew early on that there was a little bit of trouble, but I could still function. I still did my things. I, I graduated high school. I had jobs. I got married. But throughout my life, there was always, I, I really celebrated a lot of wins, a lot of losses. It was a good day, drink. It was a bad day, drink. Birthday party, drink. Wedding, you know how it goes. So yeah. alcohol was the focal point of my life because I'm getting off work. I'm going to go have a drink. So I just thought that was normal. All my friends, we played golf, we played pool, we went out and watched the big game. I I was a sports fanatic, Tammy. Love my Miami Dolphins. I go to all the games that I could. I loved every single professional and college sport, but I didn't realize why. (laughs) Once I got sober, I realized I'm not really a big sports fan. I don't even watch sports anymore, which is crazy to me because I was diehard. I mean, all the things, the jerseys, everything. So fast forward, I get married, I have children, stressful, you know, job, whatever, alcohol starts to really take over. Um, I I had kind of, you know, a a real difficult marriage. There were some problems in our marriage and I would just drink to mask the problems. And when we did get married, we were drinking buddies, right? My wife and myself, we would celebrate and, and life was amazing. Drinking in good times is amazing, but when things started to fall apart in our marriage, we started to isolate. She'd be in the garage. You know, we set up the garage as my man cave with air conditioning and pool table and DJ equipment, and she'd be there drinking, and I'd be inside drinking, watching TV. Like, we started to isolate from each other, and it got progressively worse where I was drinking until I passed out every night. And I knew that, you know, there's, there's a problem, but I still never said it out loud and I never said it to anybody. And a couple friends would go to rehab 
and I'd be like, oh man, they, they just, they can't take it. But I don't know why they, they have to go to rehab. That's not even in my DNA. Like I would never do that. Like, oh my God, I literally would watch the TV show intervention. If you're familiar with it, drinking vodka and making fun of the people on the show while I'm getting blackout drunk mm-hmm. every single time. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I was, but in 2017, uh, my wife, which we were very close to a divorce, was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer. Oh. And at the time, my daughters were 10. And I, I knew that the outcome of her disease was not looking good. Mm-hmm. I was hopeful, but I was a realist. So I knew, look, I got a problem. And if she doesn't make it, I can't be a single father to my children in the state that I am. And the disease progressed and our marriage like really disintegrated. She was, you know, trying to push all her inner circle away as, as, you know, you know, some people do when they're, when they're about to pass away. So I think that that really put me in a tailspin. Mm -hmm. Um, I started to drink, not only until 12 o'clock, one o'clock, I'd look at my watch and go, Oh, I could stay up another hour. You know, I could stay up till two, then three, then four. And then I'm like four o'clock in the morning. I got to get up at six. I got the shakes and I'm talking the shakes, the sweats, everything. And I'd have to drink when I got up because it got that bad. So I'm drinking before work at this time. Mm -hmm. And who, who am I? Like, this is not me. I started to drive under the influence Everywhere I went, kids' birthday parties, taking my kids to school, whatever. Like it just, it was, it was something that grabbed a hold of me, right? I would be driving down the street and literally my car would pull into a liquor store and I would have to go inside. So, you know, pretty much my whole life was just beer. And then later in life, when I switched to vodka and fireball, that's when the wheels came off. So I'm hiding that I'm drinking so much. I'm, I'm literally hiding vodka bottles in my car everywhere. Like where I was very sneaky, right? I didn't want people to know that I had this huge problem. And when the wheels finally came off one day, I, I got up early. It was Martin Luther King Day, 2018. And my kids didn't have school that day. And my wife and I were separated and we were splitting custody at the time, just And it was my week to have the children and I had to go to work and I woke up and I'm like, Oh my God, I don't have anybody to watch my kids. So I called my friend and I'm like, look, his daughter was in my children's class. I'm like, look, I know you work from home. I totally messed up. I don't have anybody to watch the kids. Can I bring them over? And he's like, yeah, sure. Bring them over. So I do my daily routine, (laughs) drink the vodka, brush my teeth, projectile vomit in my toilet. Like this is every single day, take the shower. I'm drying myself with a towel. So here's what happened. I get my kids in the car. I'm already two drinks in sweating profusely. This is in January of 2018. And my daughter says, daddy, why are you so sweaty? And in January in Florida, it gets cold. It was probably in the 50 degree range. So that's cold for Florida. I'm sweating. And I have a towel on the passenger seat and I'm just drying myself off. And I 
what do I do? I lie. And I say, oh, I just got out of the shower. Daddy's sweating from the shower. I drop the girls off. I go to work. And I say to myself, I got a real problem. And it's Martin Luther King Day. I'm just going to drink today. I don't care. So I literally drank the entire day, got off of work. Well, this is while I'm at work. I got off of work, drove to pick the kids up, and I was wasted. Mm. And the guy that I picked the kids up, he's an attorney, told me, Jay, you okay, man? I said, yeah, man, I'm fine. What are we alcoholics do? We lie. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I take, I take the girls home. I put them to bed. I watch my intervention. I pass out. I wake up. The next morning, Tammy, I wake up and I said, oh, my God, where's my kids? I go in their room. They're in their bed. I wake them up. I said, oh, my God, how did you guys get home last night? I had blacked out that much that I forgot picking them up. I forgot driving them home. I forgot putting them to bed. And one of my daughters laughed and goes, Daddy, you're so funny. You brought us home. And then I, I knew right then and I'm like, okay, I'm putting my children at risk. I'm putting people that, you know, that don't deserve a drunk like me on the roads. Like this is not good. I wasn't raised like this, like this, it's gone too far. So I got to work that day and, you know, I'm in recovery now. I'm in AA. So in the rooms, they tell you that there's going to be a a spiritual awakening. Uh I got to work and I literally, the tears just streamed down my face. And I was so I don't even know what happened, but I knew I, I called and I got help. I went, I went directly to rehab that day. And that was December 17th, 2018. I did five weeks in that rehab center, which I never thought I would go because only losers go to rehab. Right. Right. But I needed, I needed to be taught how to be sober and I never wanted to be sober. I, I told you I, my life was sports and going to bars and hanging out with my friends, playing pool, playing golf. Everything circled around or, or centered around alcohol. Mm-hmm. What, what's the next event I'm going to? Do I have my beer? Do I have my fireball? Do I have my vodka? Where can I get it? Like that was my main focus, right? So I get out of the five weeks in and, and I told you the disease crept up on me. I was a heavy drinker of beer. But once I switched to that vodka and the fireball, it just literally, it fell off the table and it literally took control to a point where I had to drink to make myself feel normal without the shakes, right? Without, I had to drink so I wouldn't feel sick. But as soon as I would drink, I would throw up. And what did I do? Drink more because I knew I needed, it was like medicine to me. Mm -hmm. And psychologically, I knew I might have a seizure. I, I, I need to continue this, this yeah. drinking. So I don't know if anybody that is on here is in that certain sta- stage. Cause once you get there, it's, it's so important that you real recognize you're, you're going to die or you're going to kill somebody. If you're mm-hmm. driving a motor vehicle or you're going to be sloppy, like you're not in your right mind. You get a very cloudy vision of what's going on. So thank goodness that one brief moment, I I didn't wake up that morning and say, I'm going to go to rehab. I did not wake up and say, Oh my God, I got a problem. It was my higher power that made me call, get brought to the rehab. And here we are almost five years later, December 17th, 2018. I went in, did the five weeks I got out. And I mean, I just dove 
head first into the community. They told me, when you leave rehab, the first thing you got to do is find a AA meeting and go there. Find a home group, get a sponsor. You need to do 90 meetings in 90 days. That's what I did. I did, I did not want to get back to the point where I was. I didn't want to get to the point where I couldn't control when I was drinking. I didn't want to get back to the point where I was putting other people's lives at risk. And like I told you, my ex-wife was very ill. So here I am. I got to do the right thing. I got to do the right thing because I know what's, what's coming. And if she passes away and my father was sick at the time and my stepsister also, they all three had cancer at the same time. And I knew that I was coming up to some real uh, dangerous situations for me if I was going to continue to drink. So the 90 minute meetings in 90 days, girl, <laughs> I did way more than 90 meetings in 90 days. I did probably two, sometimes three meetings a day. I got a hard ass sponsor. Shout out to Josh. I mean, this guy, his story blew me away when I heard him at a meeting and he introduced himself to me after the meeting and said, Hey, I'm Josh. You're new around here, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am. How do you know? He's like, cause this is my home group and I've never seen you before. So I, I did, I knew that I knew, I liked what he said and I knew I needed a sponsor, but I was nervous. Like I didn't even know what to do. And I'm like, why is this guy giving me his phone number? So weird. So that night I texted him like, Hey man, you know, I'm new to this and I like what you had to say today. Would you be my sponsor? And he's like, are you willing to do whatever it takes to get sober? And I said, yeah. He goes, do you have a big book? I said, no. I'm like, what is a big book? <laughs> I actually knew what it was, but it was funny that he asked me that. He goes, meet me tomorrow at seven o'clock at the Triangle Club. I have a big book. We're going to start work if you're ready. If you're not serious, I don't want to take you on. And I was like, oh, this guy's story. He, he was a, a prisoner for 10 years. Like Amazing criminal past. Like he was a scary dude. And he took no shit from me. And that's what I needed. I needed a sponsor that was going to hold me accountable. Somebody that was not going to let me slide, bring me through the steps and then make me take on sponsees and all the things. He, he made me get a, uh, an H an H and I commitment, which is hospitals and institutions where I would go to uh, a juvenile uh, treatment facility every Tuesday. Now this is an hour from my work. And I, he made me take this commitment. I fell in love with those young boys. Um, and what that did to me was so much more than what I provided for them. Now I shared my story. I, I you know, gave them the courage and strength and hope that I could, but the impact that they'd had on me was incredible. So anybody that's trying to get sober, if, you, if you've got some of the symptoms you know, you think you might have a problem or maybe you don't think you have a problem, but if you try to stop drinking for a week or two and it's like, it's on, like you can't do it. You might want to reach out to somebody. You might want to reach out to Tammy or myself or somebody that has walked this path because it is so much better. My life has gotten incredibly better since I got sober. You know, like I said, coming up on five years, the production at my work increased you know my boss was like oh my god like what the hell is going on like you're you're amazing now like not that I was a bad employee before but right. when you are in that drinking heavily state you're never going to function at a high level my relationships with my children are stronger now my my ex-wife passed away okay shortly thereafter I got sober 
my father passed away and my stepsister passed away. So how did I handle it? I, I, I stayed sober by relying on the people that I met that were sober and got me through it because they've been through it before. So I can't say enough for the AA community. Um, you know, rehab, listen, I didn't want to go there. I thought it was a bunch of losers. That was my perception. I was there with doctors, senators, literally a race car driver, like really prominent people in the society. This disease has no boundaries. It doesn't matter if you're rich, you're poor, you know, tall, short, skinny, fat. It's incredibly dangerous if you let it get to that point. Now, if you just have a few drinks here and there and, and, and you're okay with it, you function at a high level and you don't, you don't feel that you're addicted to the substances, I'm not that way. Right. And I'm glad that I'm not because I never would have got to where I am today if I didn't hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much my story, Tammy. And, and I, I appreciate you asking me. I know I spoke a lot and I'm so excited for you. This book that's coming out, you're in, in the first chapter. I'm excited about that. And I know that you're writing a book like that's exciting, too. So I, I don't know. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? I'm so excited for you for that. So I, I just want to say our stories are so relatable, like wait, like when I'm listening to, you know, I grew up the same, you know, like it was normal, you know, I Irish Catholic family, everybody drank. It was just normal. I go grab the beers for my dad and my uncles when I was five years old. So I totally can relate. And something else that you said that, that really hit me too, is, you know, we don't, we any addict, whatever it is, never wakes up and says, I'm going to grow up to be an addict. And as time goes on, it was the same thing for me. Like I was partying, I was having fun and everything was happening. And then I started drinking every day and then it got more and then more. And then I switched to the vodka and then it was the same waking up at six in the morning going like this, vomiting. I got to have it. And I remember, because some of the things you were saying, I was like, geez, Jason, I think you're me, <laughs> you know, like looking in the mirror going, I mean, I do shots of Listerine sometimes because I couldn't get through to the store. I had to get to the store, but I was shaking and puking so bad. And I remember looking in the mirror going, oh my gosh, you're your father. You're an alcoholic. But at that point, I was so physically and mentally addicted that I didn't really know what to do. And then I got to the same point as you where I was, it was either die, kill someone else. And my son was not going to have a mom. And that's when I had my spiritual awakening, the same thing, like the tears. And I could, when you were saying everything, I just got chills all over my body because I could so relate to all of it. And, um, yeah, so I'm super excited about everything I have going on. I love that you shared your story with us. I love that you gave people like, you know, pointers on like where to go, what to do. And it's okay to go to rehab. It's just like, I tell people too, counseling, it's okay to go to counseling. You're not crazy. You're not a loser. It's good for you, you know, and um, to see, to hear your story and know where you're at today just makes my heart full because it's, it's amazing. I see you and your girlfriend and you guys are just so fun to watch on social media. I'm going to put Jason's links on here. So you guys, he's just an amazing person. And I feel like a lot of times as addicts and alcoholics, when we're in our, what our 
time that we're using, people look at us differently, you know, and, and you were probably like me too, like fun. Like I used to go to NASCAR races all the time. Why? Cause I drink. Right. And it's like, now I look at a NASCAR race. I'm like, really, Timothy, you were that excited about a NASCAR race, but you know, we're good people. And that's the thing, you know, that we, that people need to remember, like when you're in your, when we're in our addiction, you know, we're not, we're not who we really are. You know, it, that, that addiction takes us over and we are not, you know, the person that, that God meant us to be. And once we get sober, it's amazing the difference that we can make in the world, you know, just by sharing, you know, your courage, strength, and hope, you know, and, and knowing that, yes, you can get through it. Now, do you mind me asking how old you are, Jason? I just turned 50 in April. So I drank hardcore until I was 45. Yeah. And I wanted to say one thing that I forgot. Um, I really adapted to meditation. Um, mm. I do transcendental meditation where I do 20 minutes meditation in the morning when I first wake up and 20 minutes in the afternoon between three and six. And I tell you, that really calmed me down and grounded me, right? So that's one thing. If you're like trying to stay sober and you're not able to do it, you know, I always end my prayer meditation. You know, I'm asking God, like, first thing before the meditation starts, say, thank you, God, for keeping me sober yesterday. Please help me stay sober today. And I know that that sounds funny, but I know for a fact that is a major important factor in the reason why I'm sober. I'm asking for that. And then that 20 minutes of meditation, right? I, I my meditation is transcendental. If you're familiar with it, it's a Sanskrit word that, you know, it's actually, you listen to the noise in your head and I'm thinking this Sanskrit word over and over for 20 minutes. And I literally drop in and it was the most unbelievable thing. It distresses me. You know, a lot of times alcohol and like, you know, opiate use and whatever, it's because the stress levels are so high and you do it to numb the pain. Once I replaced alcohol with meditation, it's been a game changer. So if you're still struggling, AA is the first place to go or rehab, rehab, then AA, get a sponsor, do your 90 meetings in 90 days and get an H&I commitment. I'm telling you. And the, the last piece of the puzzle for me was that meditation. Yeah. The meditation has improved my life in multiple ways. I used to get drunk on alcohol. Now I get high on meditation. I literally feel so, you know, euphoric after I do it. So I wanted to say that I, I forgot about that. No, no, that's awesome. Because here's the, I was just going to relate to that too. something else that you said. So, you know, after you got sober, like you said, your, your ex-wife passed away, your dad passed away and your stepsister passed away. So I tell people all the time because they'll be like, well, Tammy, you know, 18 years, you're so strong. And I'm like, but I didn't get here, you know, yesterday or the day I got sober. And what I've used is the tools. And like you said, your, your support system and your resources. And I, I tell people, you don't walk outside, Jason, and I don't walk outside. And there's this big bubble around us that says, we're going to protect Tammy and Jason from anything that could tempt them or put them in, you know, where they're going to, but we have tools now. Right. And so when we go through a struggle like that, like, you know, in 2020, my best friend took, he'd been sober six years and he took a Percocet and it was pure fentanyl and he passed away. 
you know, and to deal with that. And then my friend in Arizona, she was murdered by her ex-husband to be. And then in August, my mom passed away. So 2020 for everybody was a rough year. But through all that, I didn't have to drink or drug because I had the tools and the resources that I needed. And I think that's so important for people to know that, you know, we could use an excuse like, yeah, my mom died. I'm going to go, I'm going to grab a drink. Right. But instead it's, my mom passed away. I'm going to use the tools that I've learned through AA, through my support system, through my church or whatever it, you you use, you know, and I just think that's really important to remind people that we have to keep those tools intact. And meditation is so good. It game changed my life, too. And that's the thing. And mindset, you know, you know, we talk about mindset a lot. We definitely do in our business and stuff. But in general, every day, if you could just listen to something positive in the morning, just or say something positive to yourself. It makes the biggest difference in the world. And people think, oh yeah, okay, because they haven't done it yet. But once you start doing it and it becomes a habit, it's such a difference, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm so, I'm very big into visualization. Mm -hmm. I'm very big into, you know, I am statements. And I've learned all this through sobriety, right? Like I didn't do any of this type of stuff. And Literally, when I first got sober, I was listening to YouTube motivational videos every single day to start my day. Like those were incredible for me too. Uh, being in that rehab, um, I really looked forward to when speakers would come in and talk about you know where they were and where they are now. So after I got out, my counselor said, Jason, we would love for you to come back and speak. And I started to speak there every single month, sometimes twice a month. And to, to, what, to go back to what you were saying, like, we don't have this invisible shield around us. Like we're going to stay sober just because we went to AA or we got through rehab. Being in that rehab, going back every other week for the last four years, I've seen so many people that were in the rehab with me come back again and again and again and again. And I always ask them, like, what happened? Like, what happened? Why are you back here? Like, I'm a one chip, white chip wonder. Like, I got one white chip and I never had to go, you know, get another one again because my rock bottom was so low. But some people, they'll go to rehab and they don't take it seriously. And the, the common question that I ask is what happened? And they tell me I stopped going to meetings. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a sponsor. I didn't go through the steps and I didn't do the work. Mm -hmm. If you're going to get sober, do the flipping work. Mm -hmm. Cause if you don't do the work, you're going to end right back to where you were because they say, once you stop and then you relapse, you relapse right back to how yeah. bad you were. And I'm so afraid of that, <laughs> that I never want that to happen to me. So that's why I've been so successful with sobriety, but staying in the middle, right? I still speak at meetings. I'm so grateful that you asked me to share on this podcast. I still, you know, talk about my struggles with people and I pray and meditate every single day. And, and that's, that's the secret to my success. And I'm so freaking grateful for where my life is today because of my sobriety. And I'll, I'll never go back. Yes. God willing. Yes. And here's one thing that you said too, that, and then we can wrap it up. But when you said you'll never forget how you, where you were at when you quit. Right. And I tell people when they're getting sober, 
I, that's the first thing I say. I'm like, remember how sick you are today. Remember why you quit today. Cause if you forget that, I feel like I remember the day I remember the yellow bile. I remember the shades. I remember how horrible I felt. And I will never by God's grace saying, feel that way again, because even if I get a stomach ache now, I'm like, no, please, you know, because I remember how bad it was. And I think that's very important for people to not become, we say it, they say it in the rooms, don't become complacent. Don't do it. You know, keep going to the meetings, keep using the tools. Remember, remember when you drank or drugged, how far you would go, what every, any length to go get that drug or drink, right? Like you said, your car would go to a liquor store, right? So instead of that, if you're thinking about doing something, then you got to go find that AA person. You got to go find that person that's going to support you. Want it as bad as you wanted the alcohol. And I think that's very, very important and key. And just remember, you know, how sick we were because, man, when I look at my life the way I was 18 and a half years ago, I was still like happy, go luck, all that. But I was so sick, you know, and so I'll never forget that how sick we were. So our, our story is very similar too in that because I remember your story. You said that you went to the hospital and they told you don't drink again. And the first thing you did when you got out was drink like you were like that kind of an alcoholic. Same thing happened to me. I was ending up in emergency rooms because my body was shutting down. And I'm lying to everybody around me because the HIPAA laws, they can't get the real truth from the doctor. And I'm like, oh, it's nothing. Literally at one point I was in a hospital and the doctor said, if you don't stop drinking, you're going to be dead in five years. I would imagine you should probably go through AA. And what did I tell my wife? Oh, he just told me to stop drinking hard liquor. I can just switch to beer. That hard liquor is not for me. I mean, who does that? Who makes these things? And the yellow bile girl, oh my God, that brings back like terrible memories. That taste, I can still taste oh. it in my mouth. Like I would do that, brush my teeth and drink some more. Like where, where we, how far we fell and where we are today. I'm just so proud of you and what you're doing, this HOPE hope. I love it. And thank you again for having me on. I appreciate Jason, it. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. And everybody, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. I just want to thank you for getting on Hope, Jason. Once again, I loved your story. I'm so grateful that God put you in my life because I just love watching you on social media and following you and just, and seeing you when we, you know, we're on getaways and stuff like that. And we always get our pictures. So I'll see you in October. I'm pretty sure. So anyways, thank you everybody for getting on hope. I appreciate you jumping on here. And like I said, please know that you're not struggling alone. There's so much help out there. You just got to reach out. You are not alone. There's so many people that have been through struggles, but there's so many ways to get to a hope. And that's, that's just my vision and mission here. So everybody have a blessed day and thank you so much.